Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This is Everyone is Hot. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelley Brooks. Each week, we invite a guest to discuss their movie crush. And the film that proves that person is a stealth sex symbol. Hey, let's get horny. Hey, Michael. Hi, Shirley. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. How about you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. All right. That's good to hear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as uh, as is often the case, we've been struggling a little bit with getting the recording started. Uh Thus are the the vagaries of recording online, but you know what? Now it's going great, and it's only going to get better. Yeah. And do you know why it's only going to get better? Oh, I, apparently we have a we have a thrilling guest. <laughs> we do indeed. Our guest this week is not only a theater director, not only an editor of films, not only an internet art creator, but also one of my friends. It's Alex Hare. Hi, Alex. Hello. Oh, my Ooh. God. Thrilled to be here. Thrilled oh, to be clapping, children. Here. Yeah, children, Clap. keep going. Keep going. Keep going, children. <laughs> keep clapping. Come on. No, Clap. no. Stop, children. No. Yeah, children. Okay. Shh, hush. Hush. Okay. Hush. <laughs> We're so excited to have you here. Um, Alex picked a really fantastic film this week and also a great crush who I am personally extremely horny for. So I really appreciate that. Um, Alex, would you like to tell us 
who we're going to be talking about this week and what movie. Yes, we will be talking about Ron Liebman mm-hmm. uh, in Norma Ray from 1979. Mm-hmm. He plays Ruben Warshawski, who is that sexy Semitic carpetbagger labor organizer daddy that we all love. <laughs> um, yeah, excited mm-hmm. to get into it. Yeah, so are we. Um, but before we get into details, uh, Michael, would you like to tell us what the movie Norma Ray is about? Like a lot of her family before her, Norma Ray works at the local textile mill. I'm going to take that again. All right. <laughs> Ahem. <clears throat> like a lot of her family before her, Norma Ray works at the local textile mill where the pay is hardly commensurate with the long hours and lousy working conditions. But after hearing a rousing speech by labor activist Reuben, Norma is inspired to rally her fellow workers behind the cause of unionism. Her decision rankles her family, especially her fiancé Sonny, and provokes no shortage of contempt for her from her employers. Nice. Nice job, Michael. Mm, I, I do think uh, that yeah. maybe... Eventually on this podcast, we'll start to differentiate between different uh, trailer voices. We tend to go for a sort of like 90s trailer guy. But yeah. I do think that there's like a specific kind of like 70s trailer guy as well. Yeah, there is He's definitely... A little less growly, a little less vocal fry. There's there's many. Um, it, it, we'll have to go into that shared universe <laughs> uh yeah, Some you haven't time. given us like a classic Hollywood uh, announcer guy previously. I had, I had sort in of the like, past. like a lot of her family before her. Yeah, in the most spectacular picture of the year. Ding dong ding, ding ding ding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Usually the text is something like that. Ding dong ding. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are very excited to talk about this movie. We're very excited to talk about Ron Lehman. But um, first, Alex, I don't know if you're aware, but we have another guest that. We invite each week to come on the show, um, and we don't always have luck with him. But you may have heard of him. His name is. They call me yeah. they call me... Damn it! Every fucking time. Oh God! You know <laughs> I know, we have to play it twice. <laughs> we actually have to pay him for that. <laughs> we... I know the royalties we... are getting insane. We we pay him for those royalties each time. So each time that. That error is made. We it's costing us money, and we're bleeding cash. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right. We're broke. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> uh, we need to talk to our boss, and we need to unionize, and we need to to, yeah. to get better working oh. conditions. Shit, uh. Michael, I think we're the bosses. No way. Oh no! <laughs> no, this is a co-op. I think the workers yeah. are yeah it themselves. That's right. We're okay. not any sort of fucking middle management we are we are community owners of this (laughs) podcast (laughs) all right cool i i I would have sued myself um (laughs) if it were possible i just want to know what my rights are Um, (laughs) if suing yourself is what it takes to get what you deserve as a worker sometimes that's what you gotta do yeah um but i think that he should be in the green room now he does not appear to be um do you know when we might expect uh, our friend Derek Drinkenstein Der- to come by? Derek Drinkenstein? Um, yeah. Derek Drinkenstein said mm-hmm. that he would be here via email. He should be in the green room. Um, yeah, but he's not showing up in the green, the green room. room. Um, have Maybe you like, texted just... him? Did you like call him earlier? I know you've had a busy morning. 
Um, um, I just, you know, we don't want to hold Alex up. He's already been so gracious with his time. Um, oh my God. Really okay. Help he's, if we could he, get an answer. He just um, sent you me a got text. mail. Oh, okay. Oh, did he send you a text and an email? Okay. Well, the text said, I'm in, I can only do video. Um, oh. that's what the text mm. says, but the email probably says something different. I think. Yeah. And the, the video is going to be a problem because we are just like an audio podcast. He says I'm, I'm like in the video right um, now. I'm in the, he says I'm in the video. I'm in the video. <laughs> what is that? In mean? like a videodrome kind of way. I think he, I, I don't know. I don't know I don't what's know. been going on with this guy. I mean, like I'm used to him being late, not showing up, but he's been acting really sort of erratic lately. It's since he went to the West Side, really, I feel like he's been acting out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What does he say in the email? Okay. <clears throat> Hello, once again to my respected podcast colleagues. Um, does it feel very As... respectful? Uh... Pardon? Mm, no, it's fine. Go ahead. Once again, to my respected podcast colleagues, we're his respected podcast colleagues. Okay. I think that's... You show respect, you know, you don't just say respect, but go ahead. That's true. And go ahead. you know what? I agree. I agree with that. Um, Thank you. So how about that, Derek? Do a little better. Yeah. Instead of... If not for us, then for yourself. For your own well-being. Yeah. Okay. Hello, once again, to my respected podcast colleagues. As noted in our previous correspondence, I currently find myself in somewhat in the somewhat nightmarish city of Los Angeles, where I am pursuing my dreams of movie stardom, much as Sally Field and Ron Liebman pull all-nighters in Norma Ray. I have been spending long evenings working on my premiere screenplay, The Story of a Brilliant Doctor of Mixology and his journey to become the next great auteur. These evenings have been powered by a classic drink from the International Bartenders Association, the Espresso Martini. Huh. Hmm. Well, that story is sounding a little familiar. You know, it's always these guys who are like, uh, I'm working on my screenplay. I want to become the next great auteur. Like, yeah, shut up. It- it's about Dude. a white kid growing up in California. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, who wonder cares? who that could be about. Huh. Dog. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he Ugh. did send a recipe, right? He did. Uh, do you want to send that over to me? Uh, maybe you could text him back, see what's going on with him being yeah, in a video. I'm. I'm. Uh, do you think clicking, he's gotten into porn? Clickety clack. Boom. You might have gotten my uh, AOL uh, email just now. I'll see it. Just see it. You've got mail. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I sent it to you AOL email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, Alex, cool. uh, we we both use AOL. Um, Big fans here. Yeah, we find I that should, it's. I should switch. Yeah, I'm tired. You of You should. Email. Yeah, it's definitely one of the it's more too, convenient it's ways. Too, uh, yeah, easy. It's too good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, use something a little shittier, like a Gmail. You got to um, use something a little bit shittier. Yeah. Okay. Well, so this does at least look like a nice recipe. Okay, so for this week, they call me from Dr. we owe this man twelve thousand dollars. Jesus Christ, Michael! I don't have this kind of cash. I don't have this kind of cash either. But if you, I'm already please. trying to pay off my credit card. I can't do this. God. Oh God. Maybe we should start charging the guests to come on. Michael, how much? 
Alex, how much money do you have in your wallet right now? My wallet right now? Yeah. Oh, I'm cashless, baby. No, I'm not. I I got I got I got three three bucks. Yeah, I got to go to the ATM later. Could you could you mail that to me? If it'll help. Yeah, it really would. You know, we're just we're really drowning here right now. I actually have an even better idea. Yeah. Uh, Alex, if you could photocopy that uh, those three dollars and then send send them to both of us that way mm. no one has to lose any money on this and we so can just true. keep printing that we just make copies of it via uh, via fax through. machine yeah. or okay well, you're so fucking smart yeah <laughs> oh my god we're gonna be all right we could just make some more copies of those three dollars okay. okay. i was gonna two. say if we're gonna copy them might as well make more than yeah. three <laughs> copies of them I think. Oh okay. my god! Let's, let's not get too much of this, you know, on on the recording. We'll we'll discuss uh, <clears throat> afterwards. It's a little. I just want to be able to pay sensitive. Derek. Yeah. Are you paying Derek? To play the song, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant for the recipes. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It was like these this one he didn't even bono. make up. <laughs> he makes these pro bono. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, pro bono recipes. This week's recipe is the espresso martini. Ingredients called for include 50 milliliters of vodka, 30 milliliters of Kahlua, 10 milliliters of sugar syrup, and one strong espresso. Pour all ingredients into a cocktail shaker. Shake well with ice, then strain into a chilled cocktail glass and serve. Get ready to stay up all night. With the espresso martini. Mm. We call that a chestburster in my house. Uh, Wait, really? Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Um, but that's what it, it sounds like in my head. I feel like yeah, if yeah. I had that, I would explode. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. that is what they drink in the movie Alien, right? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, right. That's why they call it the chestburster. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think that's correct. I, you know, I think that's true. Uh, anyway. Now that we've got our drinks, now that everyone is sitting tight with their espresso martini, uh, Michael, you and I picked out some really excellent movies to pair. Oh my God, we sure fucking did. We did. Now, Michael, what did I give to you? Oh my gosh. So you gave me Blue Collar, which Mm -hmm. um, I feel like you've uh, definitely recommended to me before. Mm-hmm. So this found me at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, directed by and written uh, by our boy uh, Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader, yes. right? One of our favorite maniacs. We oh love God. Paul Schrader. Yeah. Um, some really great guys in this movie. Um, <laughs> it stars our boys. <laughs> oh God! So it's, we got Yafet Koto. We have uh, Harvey Keitel, Richard Pryor, Lane Smith, Ed Begley Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. All your favorites. Yeah. I mean, God, some of my favorite uh, old 90s white guys, for sure. Um, (laughs) Uh, Like, my favorite black guys are in this movie. But, you know, and you have to have a favorite. Um, (laughs) You have to. (laughs) um, But Ed Ed Begley Jr., Mm. he's he's great. Um, He he looks so weird as a young person in this movie. He does. He's got a little ponytail. Yeah. It's... It's a relief to know that, you know, he's as old as he is now. 
<laughs> what a relief. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is a really fantastic movie by Paul Schrader, like we said. Um, one of our great American poet laureates of um, Crazy Guys. Uh, so this is a, I guess, a <laughs> crime drama technically about uh, union auto workers who are being squeezed from all sides. Just a couple of regular guys being squeezed. <laughs> They're being squeezed, baby. Um, yeah, so they decide to uh, try to rob their union office uh, and things quickly get completely mm. out of control. Um, now, before we got on the call, we discussed the fact that this movie has some Really great lines uh, and some particularly fantastic insults. So I was wondering if you had some that really stuck out for you. Um, here comes dog shit Miller is <laughs> is my favorite thing that I dog that shit I Miller, their supervisor. Um, at one point, <laughs> uh, Richard Pryor says, "Little woman looks like a pork chop." <laughs> uh, I liked that one a lot. We had another one that I brought up before where. Uh, Pryor calls the same supervisor a redneck peckerwood motherfucker. Mm. Lots of fun. He also tells his kid when he complains about one of his toys, um, shut the fuck up, Jack, till you get a job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a good dad line. <laughs> oh, my um, God. They wear uh, disguises. It, when they go to rob the shop and uh, the man that they beat up, the security guard, says that there was a white guy with an arrow through his head, which is because Harvey Keitel was wearing a joke arrow through his head. Yeah. Uh, and when asked what the people who robbed the shop looked like, he said they were like an Oreo. And then in the next scene, you see a newspaper headline saying that the shop was robbed by the Oreo gang. <laughs> Oh God! So yeah, a lot what of fun a dialogue. Fucking in this funny movie. guy, <laughs> <laughs> Paul Schrader. If you, if anyone listening has not checked out his Facebook, um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I haven't checked out his Facebook. Oh, oh, Michael, you are in for such a treat. He is. He's a genius. He's an incredible writer, director. He's also absolutely insane. Um, some, I haven't looked at it lately, but some highlights the last time I looked were how he said he was enjoying, uh, COVID because women in face masks looked like they were wearing burkas and that was very sexy to him. What a wild, <laughs> he, wow. There's no filter on this man's Facebook. And I knows. follow a Twitter account that just repost those Facebook posts, so it feels yeah. like they are missives from another planet, and I prefer to read them that way. Oh, I like God. that. Okay, I think I might I might try it the, the the Twitter way. Yeah, I will say the Twitter the Twitter is very good. I do enjoy the Facebook specifically because I love reading the comments in response to all of his oh. Facebook posts, because sure. half of them are people being like, Paul, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> And he was very clearly asked to um, not post to Facebook when the card counter was coming out. And like the day after it, Please it premiered, God, get he this got man back away on. from a computer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, I highly recommend that to anyone who, you know, it has a, a fondness for these like new Hollywood psychos. Um, it's worth checking out. <laughs> so, Michael, who would you say your crush was in Blue Collar? 
I mean, we can't uh, not talk about Yafet Koto. We cannot talk about the other guys. They're like, like Harvey Keitel is pretty close. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's got that real sort of like, like brick shit house physique, you know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I very much enjoy. He wears a lot of tight t-shirts, but I agree. Yafet Koto is, he's the man in this one. Cause especially cause there is a lot made in the movie about how much he fucks, how big his dick is. He might've killed someone before he beats up some guys with a bat. <laughs> he's our favorite guy. Like when he, when he beats up that guy with the baseball bat and like mm-hmm. lures them in to like oh. beat him up. I'm like, I want a friend like that. I want a friend who's going to call my wife and say, hey, uh, take the kids, leave, and will have my fight for me. Mm-hmm. Give oh, me yeah. that. Not only that, they also say, so there is a great set piece in the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, where the dudes all hang out with some ladies, do a lot of blow. Uh, at one point, Richard Pryor's character is trying to talk about the union and Harvey Keitel's head comes up into frame where he's clearly been eating a woman's pussy. And he's like, I'm a little busy right now. And then afterwards, they all sadly sit on a sofa as the sun comes up. And they're like, man, if we weren't friends with Yafet Koto, we wouldn't have any fun. Oh, God. They make him the most lovable. Ca- he, he, you love him. and oof. You love him. And he wears a headband. And his name is Smoke. Like... He's he's an imaginary he's an adult's <laughs> like, he's my dad's imaginary friend. <laughs> my dad talks to smoke when he <laughs> when he gets real when he feels oh. real lonely. God, we love smoke. <laughs> we love smoke. He gets them the best blow, the man, prettiest ladies. Smoke, <laughs> and he beats their enemies up with bats. So oh, God. <laughs> we he's like Rufio. He's <laughs> yes. what Rufio would have grown up to be. Rufio would have grown up to be a maybe murderer. <laughs> he was also just a cool dude. <laughs> maybe a murderer. I, I want a, I want a maybe murderer friend who's just not into that anymore. You really get the sense that he's just not into that anymore. Yeah, because also when Richard Pryor's character says that he murdered someone, he said, they're dead. I didn't murder them. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> All right, Smoke. <laughs> hey, man, you, you like... done worked it out in your own soul. Whatever, yeah. man. As long as you're cool, <laughs> we're all cool. <laughs> so this movie is quite bleak. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. I guess. We're laughing a lot because it, it is very funny as well. But it's it's a big downer. But not as big of a downer as the movie you gave to me. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to have won this. <laughs> Michael won. Uh, he gave me the biggest bummer of a movie <laughs> imaginable. Oof. Um before you before we even talk about it i just mm-hmm. want to say want to know uh which one made you cry more mm. okay the next one that we're going to talk about made me cry more but blue collar made me cry in a more earned way mm. cuz there is this Richard Pryor is so, he is the saddest man I have ever seen in this movie. He plays the saddest man in the world. The saddest man who's ever lived. And there is a scene with him and Harvey Keitel talking on a porch that, man. You see his soul leave his body. Yeah. Just the saddest pair of eyes you've ever seen. He's a ghost. (laughs) Truly, truly. Um, But the movie you gave me was called Sorry We Missed You. It's a Ken Loach movie from 2019. 
And it made me cry more, but in a way that did feel more manipulative mm-hmm. um, because yeah. it is just a parade <laughs> of misery for like two hours straight. It's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. Um, you know, if people aren't aware of Ken Loach as a filmmaker, uh, he's a British director who tends to do, you know, sort of like didactic social realist dramas. Um, and I don't necessarily mean didactic in a negative way, um, just that that's like his purpose. Um, but yeah, so sorry we missed you it is about a family where the father is a uh, delivery driver for an Amazon type company and the mother is an in-home caregiver. They've got a son who is completely going fucking nuts. He's doing <laughs> um, a little while now. <laughs> yeah, he's well now. And they've got a very young daughter who's just sort of like catching the ambient trauma from all of them. Oh, um, there's, oh, there's always got to be one to <laughs> kind of catch all of it. Um, yeah, you got to have the innocent who just gets completely fucked over. Um, yeah, it's people trying to do their best uh, and being crushed by capitalism. But yeah, it is just a, a steady string of horrors to the extent that someone actually gets their own piss pe- <laughs> poured on them while getting beaten up and stolen from. So it's now not, that's it's not an easy watch. <laughs> that's that's a that's a glass the glass half empty uh, of version. <laughs> I think it's kind of I think it's when you really think about it, <laughs> um, and then through like your worst days and the worst mm. moments i don't know i i this this movie i wasn't expecting it to be what it was mm. um this is one of those uh recommendations that i didn't watch myself mm. and i was like i'll recommend this one i feel like this one fits <laughs> it definitely fits I, it's thematically appropriate but oh god but, I, but you know i get it you are definitely a, a piss bottle half full kind of guy I'm a and piss i bottle. tend to be a piss bottle half empty sort of guy so you know look he he had piss dumped on him <laughs> and sometimes in life that happens haven't we all <laughs> my god <laughs> but what matters is you get up and go back to work the next day <laughs> how could you not take a positive message away you from that get up and go to work while your family screams at you <laughs> you go to work you cry while you drive and you Morning. go to work <laughs> your family begs you to stay and you go <laughs> that is a feel-good film yeah yeah definitely so my crush on this one was debbie honeywood who plays the mother um so i mean this is very much in the like you know british kitchen sink tradition yes um so you have a lot i mean she's only has three credits on imdb so i mean these are not you know famous you know the annoying thing of like famous actors who like de-glamorize um not always annoying sometimes it's great um but not in a movie like this that is trying to be so like strictly realist this is um, reality yeah but yeah so i mean i was not familiar with her but she is man she's so beautiful she's got this like glow about her even though her character is like so beaten down throughout the movie yeah but she's sort of like the bright spot who's like trying to hold everyone together and trying to show humanity to everyone else even as uh. her own is being ignored yeah, she's the definition of uh, grace and the kind of, ugh, ugh. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of scenes where I cried that I felt like I was being, <laughs> I was having my arm twisted a little. Um, but yeah, there is yeah. a beautiful scene of her getting her hair brushed that is so quiet and 
that was a that was a legit cry that I had in that one. Yeah, very restrained. I think mm. uh, I love I love seeing some restraint. Um, yeah, in any movie, like don't you don't got to give me a full fistful of it. Just you know, <laughs> yeah, give me a little give me a little moment. Sometimes uh, we like confetti, but sometimes we like a woman quietly crying as she gets her hair brushed. So you yeah. know. <laughs> There's a time time for all. Uh, but yeah, so those were our, our movie pairings. Uh, so in a moment, we're going to get to talking about Norma Rae with this week's stealth sex symbol. Uh, but first, we've got a little bit of foreplay to do. Michael, would you like to tell our guest what we're going to be getting into now? Oh my God, absolutely. So we're going to be playing... The sexy trivia game mm. to get the listeners real slick mm. for movie chatting. Because you gotta get slick for movie chat. You gotta get slick before you chat movies. Otherwise, you gotta get you slick get and you've gotta pee afterwards. You gotta pee afterwards. You don't wanna get chapped. Okay? You don't wanna get chapped and you don't wanna get <laughs> no, uh, what do they call that? Infection? Yeah. You wanna get, get no infection. UTI? <laughs> UTI, that's what it is. A urinary chat infection? A urinary chat. <laughs> chat infection. You don't want that. I hate when that happens. No way, no how. No way, no how. So, Alex, in this game, you'll see in our little script here, we've got some sexy little pieces of trivia stolen from IMDb, like so much of our information. And we're going to each try to give our very sexiest reading of this trivia to get our oh, little yeah. sugar thing listeners right in the mood. Michael, you want to start us off? Absolutely. Director Martin Ritt first conceptualized this movie when he saw an article in the New York Times by Henry P. Lieferman, author of the book Crystal Lee, A Woman of Inheritance. The book was about Crystal Lee Sutton's quest to form a union at the J.P. Stevens Company textile mill in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. Mm. Now, Shelley, did I did I pronounce that man's name the right way? Beats me. All right. That sounds convincing. So All we'll right. take it. You're a good reader, so I asked you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Mm, Alex, how would you like to give us number B? Number B, I'll try it. Alrighty, well, here goes. When Norma Ray struggles not to be put into the police car at the end of the movie, Sally Field struggled so hard that she broke the rib of an actor playing one of the policemen. What? Hmm. She's a little Good spitfire. Her. She's committed. Oh, wow. <laughs> she's small, but she's mighty. She's not afraid to break no other actors. Yeah, we've got a trend going. We like Jafet Koto beating up those guys with a bat. We do like <laughs> and that. Sally Field breaking some ribs. I love <laughs> that. <laughs> Sex Should and violence. It. Very disturbing combination. Mm. Ooh, why don't you take us down uh, with a little Let Us See? Let Us See. According to a 1980 Washington Post article, Crystal Lee Sutton received no profits from the movie. So there's a little bummer note to end on. Oh, that's real... That's a real. That's wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yikes! That's. I guess it was just fictionalized enough, right? It's not yeah. really her story, but yeah. it is. 
Yeah, you know, but it, at least we got a good movie out of it. It was pretty good. <laughs> it's a very good movie. So, Alex, I'm loving this choice. This was, uh, you know, we hesitated for a moment on this one because it's not currently streaming at the time of this recording. Um, but I will say if one had will, one might relatively easily find it if one were to go looking for it but you did not hear it from us so tell us (laughs) what is your history with (laughs) this movie (laughs) that's right oh i would just add that yes if you do go and find it it may Mm -hmm. have um german subtitles or uh serbian or something but anyway it doesn't distract from the that's what i heard yeah, right. <laughs> We've heard that from somewhere. We don't even remember where we, we heard it, but you might Deep come throat. across that somewhere. Deep throat is where we heard it from. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's correct. I will say <laughs> yeah. that I'm sure it will come back on streaming at some point. Obviously, this feels like a real testament to the fact that we are so at the mercy of the streaming mm-hmm. gods in terms of what we have access oh, to which is a real problem. But I saw it originally probably only two or three years ago on streaming. I don't remember what service at the time had it. Um, But yeah, I hope it comes back on soon. And, you know, I I made this choice of Ron Liebman just sort of thinking back with a vague memory of the movie. But in rewatching it this week, I feel like I was obviously picking up on really strong sexual overtones from this character in particular. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, starting with the the looks, he's got a lot of sexy looks. Oh, you know, you've got, you know, the blue uh, textile union cap and the button down that is increasingly unbuttoned. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of the, the film. By the end, he's got like one button. His shirt is right. open the, at the end of the movie. Just uh, open. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a classic sweaty film. Um, mm-hmm. Very sweaty people in this movie. And um, yeah, I think what struck me too is the way that the relationship between Ruben and Norma is a seduction of a kind, but it's not will they, won't they have sex, it's will they, won't they join forces to create a union here. And so, you know, we see the way that he really gets into Sally Field's head um, to the point that he's a real point of jealousy uh, for Bo Bridges' character, ostensibly her husband, mm-hmm. uh, who even at the end of the film is is interrogating her, uh, saying, you know, did you ever sleep with him? And, and she says something like, no, but he's in my head. You know, there's something about the political radicalization as sexual sort of liberation that this film is getting at that I find very exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely, like, a lot of the work that we see them doing is them with, like, tousled hair in the middle of the night sitting at typewriters in his hotel room. Yes. Yeah, so clear, like, sublimating of something into <laughs> this, uh, yeah, political energy. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, do are you familiar with much of, like, Ron Lieben's other roles? Because this was my first time seeing this. I was mostly familiar with him, one through, you know, playing Roy Cohn in Angels in America on Broadway, which I was, you know, too young to have seen him do. Um, but other like 70s movies like Where's Papa and the Heart, the Hot Rock, where he plays kind of like more like nebbishy guys. So seeing him play this like sexy, sweaty man with his shirt open is <laughs> <was> very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have seen too many other of his performances other than, yes, knowing him as Roy Cohn and seeing you know a couple of those clips of that original mm-hmm. production that are floating around at Angels in America. And then, you know, his most famous role, I guess, which is playing Jennifer Aniston's father on Friends. 
in which Ooh. he maybe is not sexy, but he's the joke of that character is he's very, very intimidating. And anybody mm. who's dating her, especially Ross, you know, finds him, you know, really, really terrifying. So I think that uses his power in a different way. Um, yeah. I also am just overjoyed about his marriage with uh, Jessica Walter. And unfortunately, both of them have passed in the last few years. Yeah. Um, but you can see on YouTube the clip of him winning Best Actor for uh, Angels in America at the Tonys. You know, she's right there beside him and, and you know, delighted for him to win. And they just seemed like a classic New York Jewish uh, actor couple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are like an Jewish, incredibly but, sexy anyway. couple. Oh, she is, I think. Yeah. She's got Jewish energy anyway. Yeah, exactly. So even if not officially. (laughs) So do you have like, whether it's in, you know, movie crushes or just in life, do you have like a usual type that you'd say you were interested in? And like, does Ron Liebman in this movie kind of fit within that? Or is it more of an outlier? I think that's a good question. I think he does fit. My type tends to be hot nerds. You know, I'm looking for a nerd uh, with some sex appeal. And he's such a literary stud in this movie, mm. right? He's got all those books there and yeah. they bond over Dylan Thomas and, and such. So yeah, looking back on it now, I think that squarely primed, you know, for me yeah. uh, to, to be drawn to him in this film. You know, he's got a real New York thing and it's the fish out of water dynamic of him being a New Yorker in this, yeah. uh, in, I think it's North Carolina town. Is that where they're, they're in? I think so, yeah. I think they shot in Alabama, but I think it's supposed to be in North Carolina. Yeah, that sounds right. So he's got his girlfriend in New York, Dorothy Finkelstein, who is that hotshot Harvard labor lawyer. Um, And uh, just always throwing out these random New York quips, either having hot dogs at the baseball game and he bites into it and he's disgusted. And he says, that's that's not Nathan's, you know, Um, it just feels, you know, I need that as the New Yorker, the relatable sort of. Uh, sort of throwaways. I also think, God, he, they have the scene where they're in the watering hole where I think he's naked, probably. Oh, it just seems like they're naked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Naked. Right. right. <laughs> there's that. There's that. He talks about his affair with the Hungarian piano teacher. Anyway, just like all that stuff was surprising to me. I've forgotten about just like how, how much sex is on his mind. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny, you know, this is partially my own bias in that, like, for me, as Alex knows, everything comes back to Mandy Patinkin oftentimes. <laughs> but there definitely is like an archetype, like a movie archetype that you don't see as much of like, but definitely I think especially around this era, because this was in 1979, I think Yentl was in like 86 or something, but of these like kind of studly, like hyper-masculine like literary guys, like and there's even a naked watering hole scene. <laughs> but yeah, this idea that there's no like inherent contradiction in being like a like tough guy, but also being like a literary intellectual is very mm-hmm. appealing. Yeah, I don't think we see it too much anymore. I think a lot of his power in the movie comes from his brain and his mm-hmm. knowledge of laws and his rights as, you know, a union rep. I think yeah. of that scene where he, you know, barges into the the mill to check out the bulletin boards, right? To be able to see if the union um, flyers are up there. And, you know, it's so testy immediately and throughout between him and and the, you know, the manager, the guys who run it. Um, Mm. But he knows when to push and he knows, you know, what's going to get him through there. Um, And he's got a very sort of easy, you know, angry charm, right? There's like a Mm. a fury, a rage at them that's just under the surface um, that motivates everything he does in that scene and, and otherwise. And that actually is an important scene, I think, for Norma Ray because you see a shot of her 
looking at him and you see a bunch of these shots throughout the movie before she finally sort of um, agrees and signs her card where she's just looking and, and, you know, there's something about her gaze there and the admiration and the attraction mm-hmm. that she has for him um, that I think gets at the heart of, of that thing I was describing earlier, right? That, that intellectual sexual attraction she has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, God, I love that aspect of the movie and I love that by the end without it becoming too sort of like, saccharine and like Hollywood romantic that you do get a little sense of romance in there when he's got that line about like how what she did was a mitzvah with her shining hair and her shining eyes yeah, like her shine- oh god oh, it's like oh he's suave too <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah I love that goodbye scene it feels I, I felt watching it that last time very very sad for her actually I don't know if that's just me mm. thinking about like my connection to his character. But, you know, she has this husband. The husband has expressed his devotion to her by the end of the film. And that's, you know, very nice, I suppose. But I feel like there's going to be a big hole in her life because she's been so, uh, you know, made alive by him and and, Mm. and the fight. So I just wonder what her her life will be like after he leaves. Yeah. Uh I mean, there definitely is this sense that, like, he's going to leave and, you know, continue to have this sort of, like, exciting adventurous life with his work and everything and that like even though she's had this victory I mean she's still in her small town and still you know with this plant and like yeah there's something a little bit sad about it that she had this moment of like kind of like romantic excitement like not Uh. just romantic in like you know falling in love but like romantic in that like those sort of like romance of the experience that yeah that yeah, it's going to suddenly be gone. It's, oh, it's making uh, me a little teary. <laughs> have y'all yeah. ever, this is a little bit of a digression, but mm. uh, have y'all heard the song uh, Same Old Lang Syne by Dan Fogelberg? I don't no. think so. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, well, oh, we definitely have to listen to it after this, but uh, that song is this movie. And yeah. like the whole time, it's just, oh God. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to go into it if you haven't heard the song, but listen to the song and you'll know why I said this. You too, listener person. Um... <laughs> I do want to say that Michael kind of made fun of me for crying so much during the movies, but he, like, Michael did admit that they cried at the end of the movie. Oh. For... <laughs> it sounds I... like they're crying now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I don't make fun of you for crying. Uh, I celebrate your crying and uh that's that yeah (laughs) well i am also a big crier in movies and i'll say that i cry at the start of this movie and at the end of this movie and a big trigger is another song the title's Mm -hmm. not the title song but the you know the the original song um which is it goes like it goes Mm -hmm. um which won an oscar the movie won two oscars uh, Sally Field for Norma Ray and that song for best original song. Yeah. And yeah, it's just beautiful. It's sung by this woman, Jennifer Warren. So I don't know, but you can find a YouTube video of Dionne Warwick singing it at the Oscars. <gasps> if you dig a little oh. bit and that's a beautiful performance too. Oh, I cannot wait to listen to this. Yes. But just, yeah, I mean, uh, that... it's so seventies, right? It's so, yeah. so gentle and folky. Jennifer yeah, Warren. That... Oh my God. She does, uh, I've had the time of my life. She's in that song. Really? Yeah. Oh. With Bill uh, Bill Medley. Oh, damn. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that song does really sort of like set the tone in such a uh, lovely yeah. way, especially like, you know, we were just talking about Blue Collar, which is such a sort of like 
rough masculine feeling oh. film <laughs> yeah. and to have something like this that has you know not to be sort of like weird like gender gender essentialist about it but like that that like respects her gentleness and finds like a strength in that like yeah yeah i, I find it really lovely well, yeah, the opening credits of both of those movies are are an interesting case of contrast because yeah. both of them show the machinery, you know, yeah. and they have a musical element. But where Norma Ray is very gentle and you see the elegance of the machines, maybe mm. tellingly without shots of, you know, people actually working. It's kind of just like, look at how beautiful these, um, you know, the cotton looks when it twirls and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Intercut with these photos of Norma Ray growing up. Um, yeah. in, in uh, blue collar, it's like and it's like yeah. the men, <laughs> it's, and it's the men, the cars, and it's all that. Men make a car. We like machines and steel. <laughs> we talk about our dicks. <laughs> <laughs> there, um, there is some of normal Ray, or actually, I, I guess quite a lot of it, actually, that reminded me a lot of. Have either of you ever seen the documentary Janie's Janie? No, no, but I know of it. It's a classic feminist film from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. It was showing on, uh, I think it might still be showing on the Criterion channel, but it was part of their sort of like women labor series that they did, I guess maybe like a year ago now. Um, but it was directed by Jerry Asher and Peter Barton and it's from 71. Um, but it's got this, a similar sort of, I mean, one, the the music is just like very reminiscent because it's got that sort of like, gentle folky music in it um but it was interesting because it's a very like sort of like feminine look at labor and like so much of it like emphasizes them like being mothers and their places within their families and the way that these women like form you know solidarity and like find that they have this connection as like women that supersedes any other like you know supposed differences that they have um I think it's a it would be a, a lovely companion piece uh, if anyone was interested in checking it out. Um, yes, that sounds yeah, nice. Well, I do think that you know you see in Norma Ray the way that she, in particular, is able to use her relationships, her grounding in the community, the mm -hmm. things that Ruben Warshawski cannot offer. Um, and a lot of it does have to do with connections to the women. I think about that scene where she organizes them and brings them into her home mm -hmm. and everybody is starting to talk about, you know, the working conditions and that sort of thing. And you have Grace Zabriskie, the actress oh from God. Twin Peaks, um, whose husband has just died two months ago. And that scene ends heartbreakingly where she offers anybody who wants them her husband's clothes mm -hmm. um, because she just has them. And I love how at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they, they unionize, you know, that's the end of the movie. They, they, they <laughs> vote yes on the union. Um, you see, you know, everybody in their excitement and you see a close up of her that lingers for a while, you know, and, oh. and you know, her slow building sort of joy at that is it's very beautiful. She's incredible. Um, such a great actress for exactly that. Um, mm -hmm. It's like you have a couple lines and uh, we're going to get some like long close-ups of you and the way her face transforms is uh I'm like damn this is she's like a goat she's like one of the greatest of all time when yeah. it comes to yeah. just that specific thing i, I also wanted to that... oh go oh, ahead sorry, go ahead no you go ahead <laughs> i was just gonna flag one of my favorite scenes in this is so short and it tells so much it's a minute and 40 seconds and I timed it because I really was impressed 
with it by the end of it, where Norma Ray goes to visit her pastor mm. uh, to ask, can we use the church for this meeting that eventually she has to have in her home? And, you know, it starts with the two of them talking about her history. You know, she's been there since she was a child. She found Christ as, at six, you know, and she's been singing in the choir and, and whatever. And there's a real ease between the two of them. And then she says, you know, I want to have a meeting here. And that means, you know, blacks and whites sitting together. And can mm -hmm. we do that? And it takes maybe like 20 seconds for him to say, not just no, but for her then to be like, well, if we say no, then I'm leaving. And him to say whatever he says, like, you know, we sure mm -hmm. are going to miss your voice in the choir, Norma. And she walks away and says, you know, you're going to hear it raised up someplace else, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just, you know, it's for such a monumental decision in her life. She makes it so easily because she has this newfound clarity. Um, mm -hmm. But it's an exciting thing that happens with such economy in the middle of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that scene is like, oh, that's interesting that you timed it because I, I, yeah, that really stuck out to me and like just how, how much that scene can communicate in like s such a short amount of time. Um, but yeah, and like you say that she's got this sort of like clarity of purpose at this point that, oh man, I'm, I'm getting emotional just talking about this. <laughs> I really, man, this one really got me. If we were, uh, wondering how many times I cried in this one uh quite a few <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean something that you know uh that I find really beautiful about the movie and like, I think all three of these movies is that it's they're all populated by these like very interesting faces like I mean I there's no denying that like Sally Field is and was a, a beautiful woman um but yeah it, it's just like they're made up these like ensemble casts where everyone looks unique and like I came across some tweet the other day uh that I don't even know what the context was but it was like a picture of The Rock and Tom Holland and it's like you can either be like a big like sexless roided up freak or you can be like a little sexless twink and I was <laughs> like yeah I it feels like so many of the stars that I you see in a, like a lot of contemporary movies even in you know some indie movies and stuff are so sort of blandly nice looking yeah, and it is nice to see like a frame that's populated by, by really sort of lived-in faces, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. and also just the sexual charge between characters in like uh, line deliveries and things. A couple that stick mm. out to me from from Liebman, uh, you know, she she vomits on the side of the road after she drinks too much, and he's driving him uh, mm. driving her home, and she says something like, "Oh, I got to get my life together," and he says make it soon because one of these days I'm going to start in on you and yeah. you don't really know is that about you know sex or is that about unions it's kind of uh, both maybe but um it's mm -hmm. it's delivered with such a you know such steely intensity you know yeah. um and maybe that is paired by you know she comes into the hotel room to say yes I'll join your union and he says you're the fish I wanted to hook you know <laughs> and that's, that's a memorable one I mean, there's definitely this contrast of like, again, it's something it doesn't feel like you see as much in movies anymore, but it feels like around this time that there was especially a lot of things of like, oh, the like sexy New Yorker meets the like, you know, churchy, sexless, like Southern person. And like, yeah, how that becomes a sort of sexual awakening, even if it's not like literal sex that they're having. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, as as we've said, demonstrated by his uh, 
ever unbuttoning shirt and his more and more exposed chest hair. Oh god, there's that one scene where he uh eats her pie and I feel like that's a very, very, very intimate thing. Yeah. Um, as a big as a big pie person. Um <laughs> like, oh god. You don't just eat anybody's food. Oh well, yeah, you definitely don't eat anyone's pie. Yeah. yeah. You don't. <laughs> Takes a lot of intimacy to, to eat some pie. Yep, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So beyond Norma Ray specifically, do you remember, Alex, what your first movie crush was? Ooh, I don't know that I do. I just, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you posed the question earlier. I, I remember being 12 and... It was a particular era. They feel pretty classic now of your your Damons and your Afflecks and your and your Pits and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I think it was fairly middle of the road, you know. There, I guess. Um, but but you know, increasingly trying to seek out the oddballs. You know, for me, and I don't know if these guys are like these guys i think are like too sexy for this podcast you know too sexy to be like oh like they're like weird um (laughs) but but really into dev patel right now um and the green knight dumb hot yeah he's so fucking hot dev patel he's he's dumb hot (laughs) not not unconventional at all to me but Um, he definitely started out as sort of unconventional because he was like a kind of gawky kid i think once he realized he could grow out his hair and grow a beard it was like oh Oh my! <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> I feel like that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, like right. I think when he first like burst out in Slumdog Millionaire, it's like he was still like looked like a kid. He's yeah. like he's just so like long and floppy. <laughs> but man, once I saw him in that David Copperfield movie, uh huh, uh huh. I do think that part of it is that yes, we are seeing him as a teenager mapped onto him and it's hard to divorce those two but i do think that finally for me seeing green knight you know this yeah. year is, is what did it. yeah oh, i still need uh, to see it damn it oh Ooh, yeah you got to get to it um <laughs> so him another one who is you know coming back into the conversation uh from my teenagers was adrian brody uh you know who oh. toes that line right is a little mm. bit a little bit yeah. strange looking he toes the line um, yeah, yeah. I find him very handsome, but my like major associations with him are like him kissing Holly Berry at the Oscars, or doing the like um, like Jamaican accent on SNL. Oh my god! And he got oh, and he got banned. That idiot! Oh my god! Oh my god! It was just undone. It was just it was just ruined. (laughs) I I know it is such a shame because man, I love his face. He's got a beautiful face, solid schnoz, like Mm -hmm. beautiful face. I know. Well, and Halle Berry really, she went on Andy Cohen, I think, and he asked yeah. her about it. She was like, Yeah, that sucked. You know, that was yeah. like, I yeah. didn't ask for it. And it wasn't just like a funny thing. Like, that was bad. Was so awful. he was really young. I forgot that he was at the time the youngest Best yeah. Actor Oscar winner, maybe 28 or, like or 20, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so he's grown up some, but, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's, on, he's on succession. He also has something else big, I think, coming up this year. Anyway, we're, we're glad to see I him. I think back, he's in I the think. new Wes Anderson, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'll say this. I will personally take Adrian Brody back into my own good graces. (laughs) If he writes, if he just goes on television and says, I'm sorry about the SNL thing. And also (laughs) I'm sorry to 
Halle Berry. Obviously, like, apologize to Halle Berry for, like, you know, doing that. But, like, yeah. <laughs> apologize <laughs> for that creep. bad joke. I just, oh, God. Yeah. Also, it feels like we don't get hijinks at the Oscars like we used to. Oh, like, remember when Roberto Benigni, like, jumped over all those chairs? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You don't get any of that good stuff anymore. <laughs> I guess just when they announce the wrong best. Yeah. Winner. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. No, that, La La Land. <laughs> that was exciting. Uh, that was the most exciting hijinks of my life. And I. Mm. It was good hijinks. Uh, I got so and I like did not like La La Land and I got so annoyed that I immediately turned off the broadcast. <laughs> and then my friend immediately texted me. It was like, turn it back on. Turn it back on. <laughs> oh, God. I the the depth of my despair in that parallel universe that I was living in for like a hot second when La La Land won. And that was the first movie that I like actively campaigned against. I was like, this You were is... buying billboards. I was you buying... were writing op-eds. It was bleeding so much cash that <laughs> yeah. You have a full page ad in the Times. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh, more reasons we got to start. Ugh. This is why Make... we got to watch that sound cue. Oh, God, we got to watch that sound still paying that cue. shit off. Oh, God. But yeah, La La Land did lose thanks to, you know. We did it, guys. We did it, Joe. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, I think that it might be time for us to play our favorite game. What do you think, Michael? I think we're getting there. Fuck, Mary, kill. There. Yeah. Now, Alex, you obviously know how Fuck, Mary, Kill works. It's a classic game. Um, but we want to give you total freedom in this. You know, it can be about the actor. It can be about the character. It could be a mix of the actors and the characters. It could exist today. It could exist at the time of the movie. You can have multiple mm. timelines. We've done it all. Okay. So you have total freedom in figuring out who you're going to fuck, who you're going to marry, and who you're going to kill. I see. Does it have to, it relates to Norma Ray. We're talking about that or we're talking about any of the movies. So we'll have the three movies. So, you know, Michael and I picked our crushes. We have uh, Debbie, uh, what is it? Honeydew? <laughs> Debbie Honeywood. Uh, Debbie Mellon <laughs> from Sorry We Missed You, playing the mom in that. We've got pictures of everybody at the bottom. Yafet Koto in Blue Collar. And then, of course, Ron Liebman in Norma Ray. Yes. Okay. 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 We're, we're looking. So I, I did not get to Sorry We Missed You, but I, I certainly watched the other two. And let's take a look here. Yeah. Yafet Koto. Yeah. And really, oh, really paint the scene. He's a stud. You know, oh, yeah. I'm looking at this photo you have of him uh, <laughs> with the baseball bat uh, yeah. at yeah. Harvey Keitel's house waiting for those guys to come. And with we love the of headband. Jesus all behind him. <laughs> Jesus, yes, in the background. Oh, he's the... oh, my God, I get it. <laughs> cool. Avenging Angel, Yafet Koto. Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> That's his favorite. <laughs> I'd, I'd be hard pressed to kill any of these people. I certainly, but you yeah, have that's to. That's always the hard one. Well, okay, Yafakata's character. Can I say this? Dies mm. at the end of the movie. Yeah. True. Is killed. Slow and brutal. Way. It's awful. Brutal. It is. Yeah. It's... Honestly, it took me until the like last thirty seconds of this probably like five minute scene to realize that he, oh, he ain't getting out of that paint room. Yeah. <laughs> really really yikes so punching the window you're like maybe there's a chance right right <laughs> no those fumes. wow so i guess let's say kill him because he's already dead um yeah. if that's you not a cop out by paint right. what a bummer I, really his lungs must not feel great yeah no yeah 
Also, what an embarrassing thing to have to tell your family. Yeah. Paint oh, to them. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I'll say, um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk around Liebman in this movie um, in 1978, I think. And um, I don't know how far into the future I would continue to say <laughs> yes to that. Maybe maybe <laughs> early 90s Roy Cohn would be a, a hard line, possibly, or at least him <laughs> in that play, yeah, perhaps. You're still looking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, um, the mother, the mother here. Yeah, well, uh, it seems like she goes through such a hard time in that she film re- that it would be rude not does. to marry her and try <laughs> to help her lift her burdens there. That's sweet. Yeah. I like that. Michael, what are you thinking? Oh, God. I don't like where my brain is going, but I got to go. <laughs> so, um, Ron Liebman, uh, that's that's sex. That's mm. uh, done. Deal. I time traveled to that <laughs> day. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm the first person he hooks up with after leaving town. Mm. And he's like, oh, my gosh. This I didn't like even it. mean anything. I, God, I cheated. I, I cheated on Dorothy, and you know, oh, it's no. someone I love back. Oh, God, why did I do this? I've definitely been there. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, do you want to cause him a lot of distress psychologically? Yeah. I, I, I guess it's just what I know is going to happen. Um, yeah. I don't want to do these things, but I, um, I think we are the most compatible sexually. So I, mm-hmm. that's just, that's just yes. Um, okay. Then, uh, who am I marrying? Um, this is rough. <laughs> I know. Oh, god, I don't want to time travel to 2019 uh, London town, and <laughs> uh, I don't want to hurt this lady, I don't want to give her family more problems. Um, what if she's got really good life insurance, though? What if she's got really good life insurance? You know what? It's still the trauma and the pain of it. Um, sure. And I don't want to marry this woman, though, because she's got a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, damn. Yeah, you're um, taking on a lot. You know what? Okay, I'm going to marry Yafet Kodo. And mm-hmm. in, a, in a parallel universe where he lives and doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, eventually he'll go to prison because he did kill those people. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that'll be that. Um <laughs> And then at some point, I guess I time travel to London town, 2019, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, I have her kill me. <gasps> Twist. How about that? How about that? <laughs> Dirk, I'm not Shalaman. Boom. <laughs> but how's you she going to kill you? How's she going to kill me? She um, is like a nurse, so she could probably do hmm. some sort of um, so ethical. Really I yeah, won't time famous. travel. I'll just age naturally into that era and I'll be one of the older people. Oh, that, um, God damn it, Michael. You're stepping on my toes yeah. on this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I found a loophole and you're finding it first. <laughs> Look, uh, if you saw Avengers Endgame, that's how it goes. <laughs> um, and you know, that's how their time travel goes. <laughs> Damn. Oh, yeah. It's a garbage move. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, I think Michael really stepped on my loophole. But you know what? I was already thinking of it. 
Yeah. So I'm going to still do it anyway. Yours. But in this one, listen, we're going to get very fast and loose Yeah. with time in this one. That's okay. You're a reboot. That's fine. Okay. You're, you're a... I'm going into the future. Okay. I'm going to like... I don't know, 2050? What? I like where this is going. What? If any of us are still alive at that point, Abby, the mother from Sorry We Missed You, will be old now. And I'll be her caretaker. Whoa! And so I I do kill her, but it's, you know, an act of compassion. That's totally different and better. I like this (laughs) reboot. Oh, God. Give me three more. And then in... um, separate time so in this multiverse in separate timelines <laughs> um in one of them i'm married to reuben in 1979 i i break him and dorothy up what because- <laughs> you fucking would uh, i was really rooting for them Listen, she's too busy with her work anyway, this high-powered lawyer lady. She reads so, a lot of books. That's how she yeah. got smart. She's, she's got her books. Reading too many books. Reading too many books. <laughs> she she read too many books, and he was just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm sick but of this. when we get married, we have, like, an understanding. Because he's on the road a lot, right. you know? And he didn't fuck Norma Ray, but... I bet he fucks some of those other ladies. Well, he did. Do you remember this? Towards the end, there's a moment yeah. of high, high tension. Yeah. And yeah. she says, you need to get laid. And he's like, sounds like a good idea to me. And he goes out. And then she says, what would Dorothy say? And he says, she'd say, wear a rubber. And then he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so that's the kind of agreement that me and Ruben have. <laughs> then that's fucking cool. That's fucking cool and fine. And you I know, we're both worldly people. And it's like when oh. we're in New York together, then we have a good time. And, you know, we have a nice apartment and our big shelves of books. But when he's on the road, he's on the road. Oh, I love and when that. I'm on the road, I'm that. on the road. So, oh. you know. And then in the th- third timeline in the multiverse, um, I... I'm fucking Yafet Koto's character. I'm not marrying him because there is the possibility that he has killed people. And I don't know that I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. However, he is one of the hottest men I've ever seen. And he does wear a headband and his name is Smoke. So you have to fuck that guy, right? So one. So. All right. So in 1978, mm-hmm. you're married to Ron Liebman. So you mm. cheat. Well, no, this is in. Or you don't cheat. You have. This isn't open. another timeline altogether. Yeah. We're this in is another timeline. You're multiple using... existing realities. Are you still the same you? Yeah, yeah. I'm so you're doing me. all these things, and they Except, don't know. You know, I'm. Am I the same me? If the you know sequence of events in my life is completely different, am I the same me? Hard uh, to say. Do you ever? Because like, if there's, if you're splitting the timeline, and. Mm-hmm. You're in 1978 and 1979, like artificially living two different lives. You could cross paths with yourself, and that could be a whole. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, but one is in Detroit, and one is in North Carolina. I, I think it was the 70s. There was you really had no yeah. way of talking to other people in other states <laughs> very, very quickly. So, but if if we're trying to build the Shelley shared cinematic universe, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. we gotta kind of you know if we're putting the idea in people's brains. We got to yeah. have them cross over. That's just, hmm. that's just the way it's got to happen. And then we got to figure out a way to get Spider-Man in there. 
<laughs> we got to fit Spider-Man in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could always happen that, you know, I was spending some time in Detroit in 78 and I hooked up with this guy named Smoke. And then later in 1979, when I'm lying in bed with my husband, Ruben, back in New York, I'm like, did I ever tell you about the time that I hooked up with this guy named Smoke who might have killed someone? Oh, right, 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 right. The years And that I could be hot. Years, yeah. That could be kind of nice. Mm. Much to think about. Much to think about. But we don't have time to think about Much it too to deeply right now. We don't. We don't. Because we have gotten through our our final game of the episode. Alex, thank you so much. Oh. This was delightful. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, much for having Alex. me. This was great. I loved spending time with the two of you and uh, and Ron. Just, just yeah. thinking about thinking about labor, thinking about the seventies. Beautiful. Oh, what a delight it is. Now, do you have anything that you would like to plug for the listeners? You know, I don't have anything for myself right now, but I will say we are recording this the day after Stephen Sondheim has died, unfortunately. And so I will probably go back and rewatch a lot of and re-listen to a lot of the shows and scores. But maybe it's worth checking out Anyone Can Whistle if you haven't as one of the lesser known ones. Um, Some of his most... Delightful uh, songs, his most scabrous uh, satire of yeah. 60s conformism. Um, that song, Simple, you know, is it, a classic mm-hmm. proto Sondheim piece that, that um, you know, imagines uh, the shows to come company and, and those sorts of things. So, uh, yeah, check out any, any recording of Anyone Can Whistle, but preferably the original with Angela, Angela Lansbury. Oh, I no doubt. Oh. And can people follow you on social media? Sure can. Uh, I post pictures of puppies and um, yeah. and sometimes selfies. about shows and, and sometimes projects. about things that I'm working on. Yes, um, I think my handle everywhere is Alex Lee Hare, uh, Lee middle name and Hare H A R E. Excellent, and you guys can all find us at Everyone Is Hot Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's everyone, O-N-E, is hot pod. Um, so please follow us there, and if you are on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Leave us a five-star review and tell us oh who your God. stealth sex symbol is, and we'll read it on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Yeah, it'll be great. All five. Give us all five stars, please. <laughs> all five. Anything less, you can fuck yourself. Yep. So, Michael, thank you. Oh. Alex, thank you. And Sugar Things, please do us a little favor and stay horny. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.